Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. Uh, my name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on money. That's better. We can hear ourselves now. Son of a gun. This, <laughs> we're we're going to get this radio stuff down square here in Lowell. No question about it. Uh, so let, let's start from the beginning, folks. Uh, this is a financial talk radio show. Uh, again, my name is Mike McNamara, uh, and my son Justin uh, is here this morning. Uh, you're going to get two McNamaras for the price of one. Uh, we're uh, broadcasting to the Merrimack Valley, and this is kind of a new gig for us. We've done this show down in uh, Marshfield on the South Shore for low these many years, and we thought I'd, we'd take our act on the road to uh, Lowell. And, and still do in Marshfield. And we still do in Marshfield. That's correct. We don't okay. want to shortchange our South Shore listeners because they can hear All us All right. Well. So if you haven't listened to the show before, we have a, a, a wide range of financial topics that we'll talk about, and we'll certainly talk about money and investments, but uh, this show is about a whole lot more than that because there's a whole bunch of financial decisions that you have to make during your life, and uh, how those come out can have an awful lot to say about uh, how you live your life now and how you live your life in retirement. So today, I had to, I had to think up a, a really you know, exciting title for the show here today. So, because like it's this is radio and you have to do this stuff, right? So, so the official name of this show, folks, the Ten Deadly Financial mistakes. How does that sound? <laughs> I had to tone it down on our, on our promos that run during the week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think did. I, How did you say that? I took out the word deadly. Okay, well, all, a little. Right. So, <laughs> all right. So the, the really serious uh, 10 big financial mistakes most folks can make. And uh, this is a two-hour show, folks. We're going to take our time and kind of wade through them. 
And uh, we promise to speak English all the time here. Uh, we pr try to explain things so that you'll hopefully understand them. And uh, this is a, uh, a call-in talk radio show. If you're uh, listening to us in the Merrimack Valley, uh, you can give us a shout anytime at 978-454-4980. Uh, and if you happen to be listening to us from the South Shore, your questions will be answered at McNamaraOnMoney.com. Questions at uh, email address, Question, questions sorry. at McNamara. On money.com. So, so let me see if well. I get, they can go to the website directly and ask a question, or they can just, if they don't even want to bother, they can just email questions at McNamara on money. I think it's just email. This, this, this tech, this, this is unbelievable, this technology. <laughs> I just can't believe it. Anyway, folks, uh, so here, here we're going to get started here. So um, when you live your life now, uh, and, so this is your first time broadcasting in the little studio. It is. This is a really nice place here. It I, is very nice. I, I even sort of got dressed up today because the, the, the window out front there, people <laughs> can go by and see us. But next time I can just wear shorts and have the shirt because they can't. Yeah. yeah we, I, I, we, we need to work on this. There's no question about it. Uh, anyway, so folks... Um, Here's the deal here. Uh, we're talking to everybody out there who's listening to us, and I can assure you that in the next couple hours, we're going to touch on some things that uh, you may have some questions about, or maybe some mistakes you've made, or maybe some things that you're thinking about doing. And, uh, you know, the, the, let me go over the 10 of these. I think I'll just okay. name them so, so, we'll, so people, you know, won't tune in and out or whatever. So, okay, so number one, okay, mistake number one is no budget. Mistake number two, no emergency reserves. Mistake number three, too much debt. That's going to take a while, mm -hmm. by the way. Uh, mistake number four, not enough savings. Mistake number five, investment ignorance. Mistake number six, too little insurance. Mistake number seven, uh, outdated or no legal documents. Mistake number eight, not having a comprehensive written financial plan and monitoring it regularly. And mistake number nine, not being motivated or too fearful to deal with all of the above. And mistake number 10 is a secret. We'll save that for the very end sort of a thing, okay? All right, so uh, we, we shall begin uh, with the dreaded B word here. My budget. Son, the budget word, okay? So folks, uh, here, here's a news flash for you. Uh, your goal in life financially, this is, this is very simple, by the way, your, your goal in life financially uh, is to live within your means at all times. Uh, and if you do happen to live within your means while you're working, it's probably going to be okay in retirement sort of a thing, okay? So, so the, the whole, the macroeconomic point here for this entire show is to live within your means. You need to play some offense uh, in the financial world, and you need to play some defense, and we're going to cover both of those topics as we go down the road here. Okay, so, so mistake number one is no budget. Uh, I would guess that listening to us right now, 5% of the folks who are listening to us might have a budget. You think it's that high? <laughs> no, that, that's right. That's no, I think, I think that's probably right. Maybe five or ten. Yeah. I, would, I would guess like five or ten. Yeah, and, and we work with some pretty motivated folks in our practice, and right. it's maybe 10% of them, right? Or right. 50, 50. Okay, yes, okay. I guess so, I was thinking about our So client. let's start off with saying that nobody keeps a budget, and the way it works is you spend whatever money gets in the checkbook, and by the way, if you're... A little. If you're not so good at that, you spend more with charge cards and some other things. But uh, the, the the bottom line is that uh, if if you want to live comfortably, you kind of have to know where your money's going, and you have to keep track of that, folks. It's well, it's, it's pretty uncomplicated. But 
almost nobody does. Okay. Um, I will tell you, we work with a, a bunch of folks in our business, uh, in, in our offices in Marshfield and Chelmsford, uh, and every once in a while, it's not very often, but every once in a while, we'll meet some folks that we, well, almost can't help sort of a thing because they did their life right, they lived within their means, okay, they saved enough, they did a yeah. whole bunch of things right, okay, and every one of those folks had a budget and could tell you where your money goes, okay? So, folks, if you... If you uh, do not have a budget. Uh, there are numerous ways to begin thinking about that. All of them scary if you've never had one before. But yeah. you know, if you're running out of money before you run out of the month, uh, that kind of gives you a hint about that. Okay, uh, and there are numerous ways that you can start to do that. Just what, what are some of those? Uh, what, what do you use now lately? Well, there. So budgeting has become easier now with the um, with all the. Uh, technology tools that are available now. I mean, we're, we're, look, we're in, in a world now where I don't know what, I don't know how often, well, you probably use cash more than most people do, but yeah. especially the younger generations are, you know, it's, it's an increasingly cashless society and there are technology tools that are available to, to essentially not budget for you, but to Tra track all of yeah, your track spending. Yeah, stuff's going basically, yeah. And... So, you know, I, we're not here to, you know, to, to advertise for those companies, but, you know, there's, there are the mint.coms of the world and a lot of the credit card companies and banks are getting into that business where they will track your spending for you and, you know, just show it to you at the end of the month or in the year and let you go in there and read reports. I mean, there, there are some work on, there's always work in budgeting. Uh, it's easier now than it has been. It's not, you know, like the old days where you where you put everything into a spreadsheet or even write it down. And every time you go buy a cup of coffee at Dunkin' Donuts with a, with five dollars, you uh, you know you write it down. So that's you know you still obviously can do that, but it's easier now if you go in with a credit card and ha you know just upload your your transactions to someone and allow them to categorize it for you. Yeah, it's it's a scary thing to think about if you don't have one. Yeah. It's a scary thing if your finances are a little shaky or you're a little nervous about them. But honestly, it's the absolute first step that you start tracking stuff so that hopefully uh, you can avoid trouble but if you're in trouble maybe if you started tracking this you'd kind of get an idea where, where maybe you can start to, to make that better or things that you could cut out or something and it works just it works at all income levels as well I mean so we, we run into folks that it's more often that we're, we're talking to folks who don't budget who don't have a budget because they don't need one right at, at certain income levels you can get away with it but it's always worth going through the exercise because you're it always you know something is always going to surprise you in any budget right you know we, when we sit down with a client uh, to do a retirement plan we generally at least try to get them to do a relatively detailed budget as a first step in that process because we need to know what they're spending now in order to project it into the future right that's you know sort of step number 1 and so we'll go through that process with them and inevitably there's a surprise in there. Oh, that's how much I spend on coffee or that's how much I spend on, you know, in, input whatever um, item you'd like there. But you, you should really know what you're spending because something inevitably will stick out and say, oh man, that's, that sounds like a lot to spend on that whatever item it is. I think I can cut back there. And so it's always a useful exercise, you know, higher income and lower income, either way. Yeah, and, and some of the other mistakes we'll chat about, we're going to cycle back and say, and if you had a budget, this wouldn't be a mistake yeah. sort of a thing. So <laughs> yeah. anyway, it's very scary. Uh, and I think maybe we'll, we'll leave the 
By the way, there are lots of cool technology programs where you can download all your financial transactions from your bank account or your charge card. I do that, and that's yep. I, I, even I could do that, uh, and it's very helpful. But anyway, um, f- folks, Quicken it, is. I mean, we, yeah. a lot of folks use Quicken, and, yeah. and I mean, there are there are yeah. some that you pay for and some that you don't pay for. You know, and, and the ones that you don't pay for, you are obviously you're, you're sort of the product, like a like in a Facebook. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Lots of options. Yeah. And then, uh, so before we leave that subject, okay, <clears throat> I would encourage everybody out there listening that, to do the following math. Okay. This is, and by the way, this will probably scare the heck out of you after you do it, but uh, I have a very quick way for you to find out what your expenses are, and you can back into them. Okay. Right. All right. And um, so, folks, here at, here's how it goes, and. This is a good start that'll probably scare the heck out of you, which might motivate you to start looking at at things in more detail. But so here's what you do. Uh, You go to your last year's federal tax return, and you find uh, on the first page where it says gross income, okay? And unless you filed a fraudulent tax return, that's how much money you and your spouse or whoever made total. Okay, so your gross income, that's the first number you put on this page, okay? Uh, And then... The next number you look for is if you flip that tax return to the second page, there's, uh, I forget what line number it is, but it says total tax due. Okay, or total tax, okay? We we, we don't want, you don't want to know, let's see, I got another $200 I have to pay or I have a, a, you know, or I have a refund. You had a total tax bill that equaled a certain amount of dollars to the federal government. And by the way, you had a total tax bill that you paid to the state of Massachusetts. Okay, so so what you do is you find those two numbers. They're easy enough to find. And by the way, you put those two numbers below, okay, that gross income. And while you're doing that, put a minus sign because taxes went out of your life. You didn't get to keep those, okay? Uh, If you're working for Social Security, with Social Security payments or a pension, they take money out of your Social Security and pension, so you need to kind of find that out as well. So do, and, and by the way, you, you know, the Social Security just use 7.5% of your income. That, that's uh, up to a certain amount. Okay, so you need to take out your Social Security taxes and your Medicare taxes. Okay, so, so folks, you start off with your gross income, and you have four sets of taxes that everybody has to pay, pretty much. Federal taxes, state taxes, uh, Social Security taxes, and the Medicare tax. Okay, and <clears throat> when you subtract those four from what you have, uh, you have what I call what's left. We've got a couple more subtractions to do yep. when you get that what's left. Okay, uh, if you put uh, $100 a week into a retirement plan, then then you have to put minus $5,200 because you're putting money in a retirement plan. That was an expense, okay? Uh, and you leave it at that, okay? So, so folks, one number, okay, total income, five subtractions, okay? State tax, federal tax, social security tax, Medicare tax, and any contributions to your retirement plans. Folks, that number equals your expenses. It'll probably scare the ever-loving heck out of you when you do that. Okay, you look at that and you say, that can't be true. And by the way, it, it might not be. You might have to tweak it a little bit, okay? Whenever we mo- meet with folks, okay, to review their finances, we ask them two questions. So uh, how much do you have in savings, emergency reserves, and uh, how big is your charge card balance? So folks, if the amount of savings you had a year ago is the same, 
and if the charge card balance that you had a year ago is the same, then what's left is what you spent, and you can go backwards and kind of break that out for a budget. Am I doing okay here so far? Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Okay. And folks, it's going to scare the ever-loving heck out of you, but that's why I think you should do it so you can kind of get started thinking about where your money goes. Okay. The key, the key to everybody out there listening to us right now, living happily and financially stable in the present, and and repeating that act in retirement is to live within your means and know where your money's going. And the absolute very first step is to know exactly what you spend money on and where. Takes a little time, kind of scary, but secret to financial success. How to do on that? That'd be okay? Very well. Any any additions or subtractions or nope. All right. Well that's good. I, I we feel, should move on. I feel I feel honored. Okay. <laughs> we don't we gotta get through all ten of these. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> we can we can speed up later, but the number three is the big one, but we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. And maybe number four. Okay. So anyway, uh, all right, so financial mistake uh, number one. Deadly okay, is, deadly financial okay, mistake. Yes, okay. Deadly <laughs> de- deadly financial mistake number one. That's probably the deadliest is to not have a budget. Okay. Okay. Mistake number two is to not have emergency reserves, okay? I'll get a little old-fashioned because I'm the senior partner here. Rainy day fund, folks, okay? Um, Stuff happens in life that kind of are emergencies. By the way, a vacation is not an emergency, okay? Nor a wedding gift uh, sort of a thing. A a new roof unplanned might be an emergency or... uh, That sounds like a good emergency. A a washer-dryer dying and not planning on it. That's probably an emergency. Car repair. Yeah, there you go. Car repair, okay? So... Everybody should have a chunk of money in the bank, earning absolutely nothing, okay, but being very safe, okay, and just available if it ever hits the fan in your life, financially speaking, plain and simple, okay? Um, That number, there's lots of rules and suggestions about that, and it it differs for everybody, but the short story is, okay, a, a really rough rule of thumb is take three to six months worth of your after-tax living expenses, and that's the number. So after you live your life over the course of a month, if you spent $4,000 for everything, okay, mortgage the whole nine yards, if, if, if the monthly expense on average is $4,000, you ought to have somewhere between twelve dollars and $25,000 in that bank account, <clears throat> okay, folks? You're listening to a couple of folks who manage a bunch of money for a whole lot of people. This is not investment money. Your emergency reserves is bank money. We'll have some fun with that later on as well. But it's bank money, okay? Uh, And bank money is perfectly liquid. It's perfectly safe. It's readily available. And it doesn't earn you any money, but that's okay because the rest of your investment money, you don't have to go grab it at the wrong time because you had an emergency, okay? So everybody out there listening to us absolutely positively needs some sort of an emergency fund. Well, if you're a double income couple with no kids and you get guaranteed jobs, maybe it's on the smaller side, yeah. given some things. If you're a self-employed person, you know, if, if, if you have a married couple and, and the mom's at home or a part-time job and the major breadwinner is a self-employed person, well, you might want to have a year's worth of protection because if you're self-employed, your income is not exactly guaranteed. So it kind of depends, but you really need to have a chunk of money available that you just look at it, feel good about it, okay, and hopefully never, ever, ever touch it, okay? 
If you touch it, here are the rules. Okay, let's see. I've got $25,000 on my emergency reserves. Everything else in my life is hunky-dory. Oops, I just had a $4,000 washer machine go. I don't know. No, maybe, well, washer and dryer. We'll kill both of them together. Yeah. $4,000 emergency. Well, I happily trip on down, get my $4,000 from the bank, and go buy the replacement. Well, here's the problem, folks. Now, instead of having $25,000 worth of emergency reserves, you got twenty-one. So what you have to do is make some plans over time to put it back and get it back up to where it was. Because it's pretty simple. If you don't do that, pretty soon your emergency reserves will be zero, and you'll be having to go to your charge card and pay 15 or 18 percent you know, a year for the privilege of having some emergency money sort of a thing. So emergency reserves, rainy day fund, whatever you think. Okay, If you're listening to us and you've never had an emergency, you've been lucky. If you're wondering why the heck should I need one of those, Get the emergency reserves and, and hope that you don't need them for the rest of your life. If you're listening to us and you've had an emergency or two or three in your life, you know what we're talking about. I think everyone's had an emergency. Yeah, pr- pr- more than likely. Okay. Uh, and, and anyway, so build up that money. It may take a while. Okay. We, when we meet somebody for the first time, besides the money uh, that they're putting in retirement plans, uh, you know, if they say, well, you know, I'd like to invest some money, we'll say, well, how much money do you have in the bank? And if the answer is zero, we'll say, have a nice day. You need to build up some money before we can talk to you because that's just a, that's a basic foundation of living financially stable, folks. Okay? And, and just a few tips. If you, uh, if you have trouble keeping an emergency fund, which, which many people that we meet uh, and many people out there do, um, you know, try to make the emergency fund inaccessible if that's your problem. Right? I think we, we run into we run into two different types of people. There's there's sort of the people who are they can never manage to keep an emergency fund and then there are people who who have way too much money in the bank. Yep. Right? Uh, and you know each one of those, you know, we, we try to work with both of those people obviously, but if if you're having trouble building an emergency fund, we think probably the best way to do it is to make it as inaccessible as possible, right? Maybe don't keep it in your savings account at the same bank that you have your checking account. There are online options. There's a you know you can open up a whole other bank uh, that you, and you don't even have the you know the bank card to it in your wallet and it just just make it hard on yourself if that is your issue because it's so easy. It's important right? to have. It's over there, right? It's so that's right. Easy. And you know you yeah. just move it over on your phone and say, all right, well I need to say here's an emergency. I'm going to grab two thousand dollars from my savings and just slip it right over my checking easy easy peasy. So um, try that if that's your issue. Otherwise, it's just uh, it's just hard work, and it's not easy, and we understand that. But it's important because you do want to stay out of credit card land, and and, and paying you know paying fifteen percent is uh, is no fun, and it eats up a lot of yeah. your capital. And, and one more thing about the emergency reserves before the break here, because we're getting close. Uh, the, the short story is that okay, if you've got uh, a, an investment account in your own name, and you want to count that as your emergency reserves, that's a no no. Okay, um, emergency reserves should be liquid, and let me give you my or our definition of liquid. Your money is liquid when you can go get exactly what you put in, okay? Uh, Well, you can get it quickly, and you can get exactly what you put in, okay? Well, you can get money in your stock account with three days, but if you go there in an emergency and it's down 15%, that maybe wasn't a good deal. So, So our definition of liquidity and safe money is very, very simple, folks, okay? It's gotta be immediately available, and it's got to be at least as much as you put in there, folks. We don't want any, you know, whenever you have an emergency, Murphy's Law will apply, and it might just be the wrong time, kind of given the circumstances. 
the official title of our show today is the 10 deadly financial mistakes people make, okay? And uh, we basically just talked about the first two of them. We got 10 of them. We got three, yeah, we have to go a little faster here, my son. Okay, no, number one is everybody out there listening to us really ought to know where their money's going. It's called have a budget. Get a budget. And number two, everybody out there ought to have a, a rainy day fund for those emergencies of life that pop up. And that rainy day fund, by the way, should be in the bank. We don't encourage people to put a lot of money in the bank, but there's enough in there to be an emergency reserve. So, should be safe and liquid. Yep, safe and liquid. Your, so like your company stock doesn't, you know, even though it may be accessible and not in a retirement plan, probably shouldn't count. Yep, yep. Understand. Unless there's a lot in there, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, think about that. Okay. <laughs> so by the way, this is a call and talk radio show. Uh, we speak English. Uh, we don't think we're particularly scary individuals. So if you've got a question out there about some of the stuff we're talking about, uh, it, it's easy enough to do. Once again, nine. We have open lines. That's a radio euphemism for saying nobody's calling yet, but hope springs eternal here. 978-454-4980 if you're in the Merrimack Valley and uh, McNamaraOnMoney.com uh, and or questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com via email. If you take the time to ask us a question, we'll make the time to answer it, we promise. Anyway, all right, so financial deadly sin number three. Well, it's not called a sin. That's, I, I, that's probably that's right, too yeah, judgy. Yeah, that, that's a little, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, that's not too politically correct or something, no. right? No. Nope. Okay. Or religiously correct, for sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll just avoid it. that word. Got it. Okay. Uh, sorry. I, 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 you know, what, what do I know? All right. TMD. TMD. TMD is, is number three and probably like the biggest mistake that folks make. Too much debt. We're going to try to get that trending on Twitter. Yeah, TMD. Okay, <laughs> by the way, I'll get to TMH sometime a little later on. But, but TMD, too much debt. Okay. Um, we're probably going to spend the next half an hour and maybe a little longer on this because debt comes in many forms and you can get yourself in trouble in a whole lot of ways <laughs> given the circumstances. But, but let me get started here. So, okay, um, the first example of TMD is TMH, too much home. Too much home. Too much home or too much house, whatever. Okay. 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 Um, I'll I'll cycle back to this, but there are an awful lot of us who are living in homes that even though we think we can afford them, we might not be able to afford them if we looked at our retirement and figured out how much we were spending for mortgages versus saving for retirement. Okay, that's like the short story. Like, you know, if you skip to the end, yep. they'll kind of hang around and see what goes on. That's, yep. my, that's my plan. So anyway, um, mortgages. There's probably a few people listening to us who have a mortgage on their home these days, okay? So, so here's the problem, folks, all right? So uh, we'll start out with our... First time home buyers. Okay. How old do you want to make these folks? These days? 55? No. Okay. How old? 28. 28. All right. Let's say 30 because I'm going to do some math here. Okay. okay. So, so we have a, 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 a happily married couple, uh, 28, uh, 30 years old. They got one little munchkin, maybe another one on the way. Okay. Okay with that? Yep. Okay. They're, so, moving, uh, they're moving out of the city. They're moving to out the of suburbs. the city uh, and they're living the dream. Okay. And they buy their first home. Yep. Okay. Okay. And like everybody who buys their first home, you know, it's a reach. Nobody ever feels comfortable about buying your first home, right? Because can I make the payments? Yada, yada, right. yada. Okay, but they do. Okay. Yep. Uh, and, and they get a, a mortgage uh, at whatever interest rate for 30 years. 
Okay. Okay so far? Yeah. All right. So right now it would be in the, the 3.5 range, I yeah. think. That's maybe from a, yeah. a few okay, weeks ago. Yeah, okay, for 30 yep. years. Yeah, yep. okay. Uh, and that, those are good rates. Okay. So you own that home. Okay. Um, the, these statistics are approximate, folks, but you can, if you Google them, and the, you know, it must be true if it's on the Internet, but approximately uh, Americans move every seven or eight years. Okay. Okay, or change homes every seven or eight years. These are, these are statistics. Yep. Okay. Okay, uh, so let's assume that our 30-year-old couple is now 37. They've got two munchkins and a third one on the way. They're doing pretty well, and they're going to buy the next, the move-up home. That's how the real estate, we may get in trouble with the real estate industry here. I'm not sure how that's going to go. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so those 37-year-olds with no, almost three kids, by their next house, the lovely three-bedroom, uh, colonial, uh, you know, the whole nine yards, a nice acre of land in the suburbs or wherever. White picket fence, yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. So they're going to do another mortgage, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. And uh, how long are they going to do the mortgage for? Probably 30 years again. To keep the payments down, right? Uh, we, can, we can do this if we make the payments. The 37. Yeah, okay. It's 37. That'll bring them to 67. That'll bring them to 67. Yeah, yep. okay. All right. Uh... We're swimming right along here, and let, let's let's see. They're thirty-seven. Let's let's skip out to forty-five. We'll buy a house, and then their next house, a third house, third house of forty-five. Yep. Oh, and it's it's the promised land, right? Sort of a thing. Okay, it's just exactly what you possibly need. This is a fancy neighborhood. Okay, yeah. Okay. So, by the way, was the mortgage on house number two bigger or smaller than the mortgage in house number one? Bigger. It was bigger. Yep. Okay, and did they make the term any shorter? No, they got another 30 years, right? So on house number three, okay, is the mortgage you're going to take out going to be bigger or smaller? Bigger. Bigger. Okay, and they're going to do it for another 30 years because that's how you can afford the payments. Right. Okay. All right. We should so, say not everyone does this, but uh, we're, uh, we're, uh, this uh, is we're, a fairly we're frequent occurrence. Yeah, we're doing that a we... relative, just an example, folks, yep. of how this works. Okay? All right, I'm going to be extremely generous and say this 45-year-old couple now with three kids stays in this home until they're, let's say, 60. Okay? Yep. Okay. Uh, and they want to uh, move uh, to a retirement home. They want to downsize because okay. the kids are gone. Okay. Let's get a condo so we yeah. don't have to mow the, mow yeah. the lawn anymore type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, so if, if they were 45 and took out a 30-year mortgage, when they're 60, unless I missed my guess, they got 15 years left on right. the mortgage. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, when, oh, no, this is a little early, but that's okay. Uh, we'll stay with this. Okay. In my humble experience, and you've had enough of this to know, that when people uh, who are in retirement plan to downsize their home, they do downsize it. We need a smaller place. They almost never downsize the price. When, when is the last time you had a client move into a, a, a less expensive retirement home than the one that they were selling? No, like I can clearly say in the last 15 years, maybe once or twice. Yeah. And we know a whole bunch of people, right? It generally happens only yeah. with uh, very, very high-end homes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, you're, exactly. if you're in a, you know, a very nice town and you're in a million-dollar home, something like that, then occasionally yeah. we'll see a downsize. But yeah. if, you're, if you're in a, you know, just a regular house, yeah. uh, usually you don't see the, down, yeah. the downsize so, from a price point of view. So let me, let me recap. Yeah. Okay, so for house number one, 
for house number two and for house number three, each time you had a bigger mortgage, you made your debt bigger, yep. and each time you didn't shorten it. Right. Okay, so now you're age 60, okay, you're gonna sell that house, and by the way, if you buy an equally expensive house, you're gonna have that same old mortgage on there, plus or minus. Right. Okay. Well, so now, when you're 60 years old, uh, you can do a 30-year mortgage, you can do a 15-year mortgage. Uh, Depends on what you can afford, yeah, I guess. Yeah, whatever. Right? Okay, so, so folks, let, let me give you the secret. If, if you don't pay attention to anything else we say here for this morning, let me tell you how you uh, retire happily ever after without working too hard. Have your mortgage retired when you are. Okay, most people would say that when you retire, you have to drop your living expenses by 25, 30, 35%. If you take a look at what your mortgage payment is, principal and interest, I'm going to give you a newsflash, folks. It's 20, 25, 30, 35% of your income. Okay, if you do not have a mortgage by the time you retire, or as I like to say it, if your mortgage is retired when you are, you've got a mighty decent chance of being okay in retirement. You okay with that? Yes. Okay, if you just downsized to a smaller but nicer home in retirement, and you've got a $200,000 mortgage, okay, and you want to pay it off, well, maybe, maybe you try to shorten it. So, so by the way, if you have a mortgage in retirement, you've got a mortgage payment. That's a problem, yep. right? Okay, and that makes it very difficult for a lot of folks, okay? So if you can, folks, the, the moral of the story is very simple. Every time you change homes, you make sure that your mortgage ends at your age 65 or 66 when you can start basically collecting a real Social Security check, okay? Yep. That means every time you buy a home, you do a shorter mortgage. Oh, well, wait a minute. That's going to cost more. Right. Because, by the way, okay, that's how it works. And if you don't do the shorter mortgage, it's going to cost you at the end by having a mortgage in retirement. You, if you have a 30-year mortgage and you renew it every time you move a house, folks, you got a mortgage in retirement, okay? And that's not a good place to be. Right. Okay? So... Too much house, it's only too much house if you can't live happily ever after. Okay, I also like to say it, it doesn't matter much whether you have a mortgage in retirement as long as you pay for it, but a lot of people can't afford that and live your life as well. Right. Okay, just last week, I was talking with some folks, we were working on a financial plan, uh, and they had a mortgage in retirement, okay, and it had like 15, 18 years to go, and they won, and they were like eh, 65, 66. Okay. This, this happens all the time, folks. Yeah. And they say, well, I want to start paying it down right now and have it go away. And so we did a little math, and at what they could afford, they could like pay it off in about another eight or nine years. Okay, so let me see if I got this right. You just retired. You're age 66. You're about as healthy as you're going to be for a while. Okay, hopefully your health hangs on for a while longer. Yeah. Okay, you want to have a mortgage paying for the next eight or nine years instead of taking a vacation. Yeah. Or doing this or that or the other thing sort of a thing. Okay, so, so f folks, the, just think about the end point. Okay, you do not want to have a mortgage upon the day that you retire and you gauge everything in your life going forward, okay, with that in mind, you've, it's not guaranteed, but you've got a really excellent chance of being okay in retirement because your living expenses are going down by 30 or 35%, which, by the way, is how much your income is going down by at least right. when you're retired sort of a thing. Yeah. How to do on that? Okay. Very well. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think we should, we should obviously acknowledge that this isn't easy, right? It's it's sort no, of an, it's aspirational. No. no, no. And you know, especially 
with where real estate prices are now, and it's you know it's it's certainly harder and harder if you do want to upgrade your residence. Generally speaking, it's you know you you do have to jump up in price quite a bit. Yep, yep. And you know everyone gets to make their own their own values as to you know do I move to this nice house in this nice neighborhood in this nice town? Yeah. If it's going to cost me, you know an extra few years worth of work or maybe I can't retire. But I mean, that's, that's another reason why we obviously recommend a retirement plan and just sort of, of being cognizant of it, right? This is a, yep. this is a shortcut. Yeah. Oh, if you can have your mortgage paid off by retirement, you're going to have a much better chance of being able to retire comfortably. Um, if that's not going to be the case, you can certainly, you know, it, it, you might be okay in retirement with a mortgage. We know a lot of folks who are, and obviously a lot of folks listening right now uh, are retired and do still have a mortgage in their lives may or may, you know, maybe just fine. Yeah. Yeah. But you want to know that that's another reason if you're going to go into retirement with a mortgage, you probably want to make double sure that you have done some projections, some retirement projections to make sure it's going to be okay. It might be fine. Yeah. Right. If you're saving enough uh, in your 401k, if you're, you know, if you're, if your expenses are otherwise reasonable, then maybe it's just fine, but maybe it's not. And, And again, we're just talking about you know, if you're, if you're, if you're trying to shortcut things and simple yeah. rule of thumb, yeah. if you can have that paid off yeah. by retirement, that's, uh, that's great. You'll be in a much better situation. Yeah. Okay. And, and you already skipped ahead to number eight. Everybody out there listening to us should have a, a, a financial plan I do. Okay, for the rest of their life. Okay. <laughs> from which you can frame those decisions. Right. Okay. If, if you f- folks, please think about this. Okay. We live in a very complicated world. Okay, financially speaking, everybody has many, many challenges, okay? Okay, if you had a comprehensive written financial plan from a certified financial planner practitioner, there are lots of us, and if you kind of had a pretty good idea of how the rest of your life looks based on your income and your expenses and stuff like that, if you, if you had a good idea about that, then you got a track to run on and you can kind of gauge how much you can spend on a house or how much it's going to affect for retirement. By the way, when we get to college loans, we'll have the same discussion, folks, about how that works. Yeah. Okay? But if you have a framework from which to make financial decisions, okay, you're, you're, you're in much better shape than if you don't. And so what happens is we, we, we go with the emotion. If you don't have that framework, of course it's a great thing to aspire to, to have a nicer home with more bathrooms, right. big yard. Of course. I mean, it's just we're, we, we all want that stuff. The question is, do you want to find out you couldn't have afforded it when you're 65 and sick of work right. or something like that? I mean, yeah. was, seriously. Or I mean, sick. Yeah, yeah, or sick. I mean, you, you have to have a framework from which you make all of your financial decisions. And we're just giving you examples of mistakes you can make if you don't have that framework. Right. You know? So I go back to the TMD, too much debt. Too much debt. And I go back to the fact that there are lots of folks listening to us right now that have TMH too much house, but they don't know about it, and they may find out about that unpleasantly right. somewhere down the line. So if I made you a little bit nervous, folks, don't don't tune out. Give us a call. We can politely discuss how that works. Okay, it's painful. It's scary. Uh, we're trying to be as polite about this as we can, but that's how the math works, folks. Okay, right. that's how the math works. Okay, so anyway, so on the subject of debt, okay, have your mortgage retired when you are... Oh, let's talk about another kind of fund debt. It's called a home equity line of credit, or HELOC, as we say officially in the financial business here. Okay? Uh, you can put a secondary mortgage, basically, on your home. Yep. 
They're either called home loans or home lines of credit. We're talking about a line of credit here, folks. Okay, uh, it's just like your charge card line of credit. You have an ability to borrow against your charge card up to a certain amount of money. And if you obtain a home equity line of credit on your home, you have an ability to borrow X amount of dollars basically against the equity in your home. I like to say spend your home because that's basically what you're doing if you use that. Yep. Okay. By the way, we recommend that most folks have a home equity line of credit in place. We didn't say use it. We said, we said that you right. should have one, and that would be for emergency purposes, okay? If you have an emergency reserve that's $20,000 and you have a $50,000 emergency, where are you going for the rest of the money, okay? Well, if you had a line of credit on your home in place, you could go there as a backup. So a home equity line of credit is an insurance policy against your emergency reserves, okay? People use it to do many things, Okay, and we make no value judgments of what people do with their money, but it's just another form of debt. Okay, and they make it real easy. You don't have to pay anything but interest for the first 10 years. You know, so let's say you borrow uh, $10,000. Uh, what about four or five percent these days? Home equity lines of credit. What do you think? I am looking it up right now, but yes, I believe it's yeah. probably in the fours. All right, let's use four. Okay, so, okay. You, so you borrow $10,000. Okay, uh, no, let's make it let's make it fifty because you just re remodeled the house or something like that. You borrow fifty, okay, four percent of fifty thousand dollars is two grand. Okay, if you take two thousand bucks, it's like I got my magical calculator here. If you take two thousand dollars and if you divide it by twelve, the first bill you're going to get is for one hundred and sixty-six bucks. Begosh and begora, I've died and gone to heaven. I just <laughs> borrowed fifty thousand bucks and it cost me one hundred and sixty-six. No, okay, that's only the interest. And by the way, it's very tempting. You know, people try to plan to pay this off in a certain period of time, but it almost never happens. It's very, very scary, okay? And, and the bank will allow you to just pay interest for 10 years. And so it's easy to just forget about having to pay that principal back. And we've seen more than a couple of people get themselves in trouble with that home equity line of credit. Sa same thing. It's debt, okay? If you're going to borrow it, Make sure you can make it go away, be on a regular schedule to do that, and be religious about it. If you don't, you turn around and say, uh-oh, somewhere down the line. What are you, what are you, what are you looking at over I'm there? Still, I'm, I'm still trying to find those home equity line of credit rates. Okay. But yeah, so uh, yeah, they're fortified. We're right generally, yeah. I think we're pro home equity line of credit, especially when compared to other alternatives. Yeah, just not using them. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Which, I mean, depe depending, you yeah, know, there's, yeah. there's things that you would use them for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Don't say that. There I, are. Yeah. Some, okay. Someone in this, in this room has a, has a balance on the, their heel. Yeah. The, huge one. <laughs> okay. No, no, you hopefully well, well, get that down before you retire. I'll pay son. enough. Okay. Well, but that, that, that room is nice. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> so anyway, just, folks, the, the, the moral of the story is just please be careful about that. Okay. Uh, folks, this is a call and talk radio show. If you're in the Merrimack Valley, uh, 978-454-4980. Uh, if you're on the south shore of Boston, you can go to our website, McNamara on Money, and there is an Ask the Questions box there right is. there. Yep. Or if you're that lazy, you can just email us at <laughs> questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com. Or if they're just on their phone. Okay, or, or on the phone. And by the way, if you take the time to ask a question, we'll... Take the time to answer. We promise. Okay. So anyway, uh, well, you know, give us a holler and uh, see if we can help you out here. So anyway, so a, a home equity line of credit is just another form of debt. Yep. Okay. Uh, and you know, I would say, folks, if you're going to do, uh, you know, uh, uh, some repairs or some improvements on your house, 
Maybe you take a second mortgage on your house, an equity loan, not a line, because at least that has a payback. Yeah. Or, or when you're doing that, folks, look at both alternatives and kind of see. If you take out an equity loan for the 50000 I promise you're going to pay it off in however many years you plan to do that sort of a thing. That's kind of how it works, folks. Yeah. But anyway, so major mortgages and, and home equity lines of credit or home equity loans, got to be careful with all of them. Okay, please, oh, please. Okay? All right, let's see another form of debt. How are we doing here? Are we good? We're good. Okay. So, okay, um, let's, let's take the simple one first, okay? Car loans. Okay. Folks, we have many folks listening to us out there have TMA. Too much auto? Too much auto. I couldn't be 2MC because TMC because it didn't sound right. But anyway, okay. <laughs> so I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. So okay. TMA, too much auto. Yep. Okay. Uh, again, we... We love to live the life here. We love to have new cars and drive them yep. for a few years and then have another new one and all that other good stuff, so, folks. Okay, uh, folks, cars are depreciating assets. They lose money pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, the, the secret to living happily ever after is for most people to buy a car that's a year or two old and drive it till it dies and then do it again. Okay, that's probably the most efficient. Might not be the prettiest. You might not look, yeah. you might not look real good in that ride. But, okay, if, if you want to do your cars efficiently, Buy a car that you can afford that's a couple of years old. That's the sweet spot of the, the, the year or two old, okay? Yeah. They'll run forever, folks. They, they're, they're all well built these days. Okay, drive it until it's in the ground, okay? And then get another one. And if you have to have a loan to do that, that's, that's fine, yeah. okay? Most people do, okay? You can get a car loan rate, okay? And however many months or however many years it goes or whatever rate, that's fine. If you had an equity line of credit on your home, you could also have that as an option, kind of you can match one versus the other, okay? But my, my point is that if, if you took the difference between what you probably spend on cars and what you would spend on cars if you bought one a couple of years old and drove it into the ground every 10 years, you could have probably saved a lot more money for your own retirement or for college. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and again, if you had a financial plan in place, you'd probably know that. Yep. And you wouldn't. You might not be buying the cars that you buy. When when we do a retirement plan for folks, we have fun. When we get to how much, how many cars you're going to buy for the rest of your life <laughs> and what they're going to cost. Right. I mean, yes. how much fun is that? Well, I'm going to do one of these. It's folks. Car purchases. Okay. For most folks, are the second biggest expense that you'll make in your life. Okay. Besides the home, and you know. And you lose many. Well, boats too. Yeah. Well, well, no problem. Okay. You might have TMB too. Too much boat, folks. But but more people have cars than boats, which is why I'm talking about that. Obviously. So, folks, please be careful about the cars you buy. Just I think just buy buy a car that you can afford. Yeah. Right. Okay. Try to put some money down on it so that you are so that your car is never worth worth less than what you owe on it. Uh huh. Which is tricky to do. And generally speaking, the longer you keep a car, the better off you are. And we understand that, you know, yeah. cars get old and you want a new car and you want to look yeah. good. That's fine. Yeah. As long as you can afford it. Yeah. By the way, Google, Google average car depreciation one year, two years, just for yucks. If it's on the Internet, it must be true. But just, just do that here. <laughs> I'll kill a couple seconds here while you're doing that. OK. But anyway, if you do have a car loan, you know, you take a car loan and pay it back on time. If you put it on your equity line of credit, OK, then you have some work to do. What do you got? What do you got? Hang on. OK. Something on Wikipedia here. OK. OK. Probably at 15 to 20 percent in the first year, you're probably up to 25 percent by the second year you own a car. It's a very small this, chart. This is important, folks. What's what's year one, on average? 
Now these differ by car. Year one is twenty percent. Twenty percent. What's your year two? Uh, it's down. It's down to well. So you're you're at eighty percent of the value after year one. Yeah. Seventy year two. Okay. So let's stop right 60 there. Sixty year three. Okay. So so folks, you you buy a uh, by the way, average car in America is about thirty five thousand bucks. Oh no! Wait a minute. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, thirty five. Okay. Uh, and by the way, so you spend thirty five, and two years later, it's worth twenty four five. Um, but you got to sell it for less because that's what the buyer's going to buy. So, so, so your, your thirty-five thousand dollar car, you probably get a trade-in of about twenty-one or twenty-two after two years. Poof, right. yeah. poof is where that money went. Poof. 